Welcome to Set Free 24-7. We are taking a journey through the message. Today, we're reading out of four passages, starting out in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus predicts his death and resurrection, but his disciples miss the memo. He teaches them that greatness comes from serving others, not hogging the spotlight. Then we move forward to Acts 27. Paul and his buddies get caught in a wild storm and end up shipwrecked. But fear not. An angel pops up to assure Paul that everyone will make it out alive. They even reach the shore, defying the odds and proving that God keeps his promises. Then we uh, go back over to Psalm 45. It's a jam-worthy royal wedding song. This catchy tune celebrates a king's epic qualities like wisdom, strength, and righteousness. He's like a VIP representing God's blessings and ruling the dance floor forever. And then we end the day in Leviticus chapter 21, 22, and 23, calling all priests. These chapters are your ultimate guide to a priestly life. From staying squeaky clean to throwing unforgettable festivals, it's all about keeping the holiness vibe strong. It's like a holy rule book to make sure everyone is on their A-game. It's going to be a great ride today. Buckle up, get your coffee, and let's journey through the message. Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. We are so glad to have you back again, and we're glad to be back again. Oh, for sure. I always look forward to this time. This has been fun, and we have some plans for our next episode. We have a guest coming. What? I know. I've got it worked out. I think it's going to happen, so I'm really excited to have him uh, just come and read the Bible with us, so... Stay tuned for the next episode because I think it's going to be great. I cannot wait. I truly have enjoyed getting to know this person better, and I think you're going to find out why. Absolutely. So how has your week been? And I'm talking to the listeners. You know, look back at this last week and, you know, how has God shown up maybe in small ways or big ways? If God has shown up in any little way in your life? We would love to hear about it. We love to celebrate the little things, the big things, even the hard things and the joyful things. We're willing to celebrate it all with you or come alongside in those times when maybe you just need that little extra encouragement from someone. So one thing that a lot of people don't know about Heidi and I, especially if you haven't been intimately involved in our lives, is that we met through running. That's right. I was an ambassador for a race here in Michigan, and she was an ambassador the following year, and we met through that program, and the race was the Amway Riverbank Run, and Mm -hmm. it's the nation's largest 25K, and we just, we had so much fun really just promoting the race and, and doing everything, you know, community involvement, meeting other runners. And oh, yes. encouraging and supporting people, uh, no matter what running level, I guess, they were at. If you were back of the pack, front of the pack, whatever, we were there to encourage and support. And uh, and we've had so much fun meeting people 
through amazing, running. Yes. Amazing people. I was privileged to have met just a wonderful woman yesterday that it just laid on my heart that I'm not going to let her do this event by herself. She didn't have anybody that she was with. And the two amazing women that I had started out with and thought I was going to be doing this with gave me full blessing to kind of peel off from them. And I stuck with this woman and it turned out being a most beautiful God moment. And my heart was just filled Mm. by the end of this event. And it was my absolute honor and privilege that I was the one that got to spend that time with her. When I met up with you at the end of your race, both of you guys were beaming. It was amazing. (laughs) Yes. Um, And yeah, so we ran the Amway Riverbank run this last weekend and had a great time. Oh, we did. Perfect conditions for it. Dressed up in costume, brought some laughs, uh, took a ton of selfies with people Mm -hmm. and just had a good time. And it really reminded me how much I love the running community and how much the running community has given to me over the years, support, encouragement. You know, I started running when I was in prison and I got out and one of the first races I did was this riverbank run. And I remember seeing the groups of people that were all wearing the same shirts and they were kind of on a team together. And I thought, man, I just want a piece of that, that community, the support, the people encouraging each other. And I just wanted a small piece of that. And Mm. I got more than I bargained for. (laughs) (laughs) You do get that in the running community. I think if you're not familiar with it, I believe you'd be very surprised at the people that you will find there. Yes, you Mm. have. There are the very competitive ones, but my goodness, you have to be like I'm I'm awed by their abilities. That takes a level of time and commitment that I'm quite frankly, not willing to invest into running. But man, I have some mad respect for those who do. My running journey is a very different type of thing, but I wouldn't change that for anything. I wouldn't change it for anything either. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, those moments with people. And my goodness, I get filled up to the brim with just joy by the end of these events. People are pretty amazing. It has been good. So let's open with prayer here today, and then we're going to jump right into Matthew and see what's happening there. So Father God, thank you for how you bring people into our lives. Sometimes it's the most crazy, silly little habits like picking up some running shoes and getting out the door and going running. And that's when you bring community together because we're two or more gathered, right? And when we go running with friends, sometimes it is holy ground. I thank you for all the opportunities that I've had over the years to talk to people and listen to their story and just let them express themselves. So thank you for how you bring people into our lives and My prayer today is that our listeners and anybody out there really takes the time to look at the things that they're involved with and how God is bringing people into those things. And how can you be Jesus 
to that person without preaching Mm -hmm. a sermon to them. Sometimes it's really just as simple as listening. So give us that insight to the people that are around us, people that may be hurting, people that may be depressed, people that may have anxiety, people that may have just thoughts and feelings that they don't know where to go with and allow us to be that person where they feel comfortable. So Father God, bless our conversation today, bless our reading and bless our listeners. Uh, Let them feel and get exactly what they need out of this reading to encourage them onto the next step. I ask this all in your holy name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Absolutely. So you are reading today out of Matthew. I sure am. You're going to be in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. At least I hope so. That's what I was told. I think you're I think you're on verse 17. 17 through the end of the chapter. Absolutely sounds good. All right, here we go. This one's called to drink from the cup. Jesus, now well on the way up to Jerusalem, took the 12 off to the side of the road and said, "Listen to me carefully. We are on our way up to Jerusalem." When we get there, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the religious leaders and scholars. They will sentence him to death. They will then hand him over to the Romans for mockery and torture and crucifixion. On the third day, he will be raised up alive. It was about that time that the mother of the Zebedee brothers came with her two sons and knelt before Jesus with a request. What do you want? Jesus asked. She said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be awarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom, one at your right hand, one at your left hand. Jesus responded, you have no idea what you're asking. And he said to James and John, are you capable of drinking the cup that I'm about to drink? They said, sure, why not? Jesus said, Come to think of it, you are going to drink my cup. Hmm. But as to awarding places of honor, that's not my business. My father is taking care of that. When the ten others heard about this, they lost their tempers, thoroughly disgusted with the two brothers. So Jesus got them together to settle things down. He said, You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. As they were leaving Jericho, a huge crowd followed. Suddenly they came upon two blind men sitting alongside the road. When they heard it was Jesus passing, they cried out, Master, have mercy on us, mercy, son of David. The crowd tried to hush them up, but they got all the louder, crying, Master, have mercy on us. Mercy, son of David. Jesus stopped and called over. What do you want from me? They said, Master, we want our eyes opened. We want to see. Deeply moved, Jesus touched their eyes. They had their sight back that very instant. 
and joined the procession. Mm, there's a quick little pause here that says two of Jesus's followers ask him through their mother for special authority and privilege. Then two blind men ask Jesus for their vision to be restored. What differences do you notice between these two interactions? And what do we learn here about making requests of God? Hmm. Two very different ways to approach, I guess, Jesus there. And the blind men were coming from a place of humility. They simply wanted sight. Yeah. That's it. They didn't want authority, power, riches. They could have asked him for anything they wanted to see. And the disciples, you know, through, I don't even know what they thought Jesus was or what they thought the kingdom was going to look like. And I can see a mother wanting the best for their children. I mean, these disciples left everything that they were about and followed Jesus. So this mother is probably like, I just want to see my kids prosper. And, and, you know. Right. Well, they still were thinking they're going to Jerusalem for Jesus to sit on the throne and rule here. Literally over their heads. And that's and why it, he said, do you even have any idea that, like, are you able to drink the cup I'm, a, I'm I going know, to be drinking? I know. And they're like, sure, why not? I know. Be careful, though, because it can be so easy to judge. And, and I've done it. Like, oh, how can they be so? Like, seriously, you've been with them. How, do you, how are you missing all of this? How do you wrap your head around what Jesus was going there to do? Right. We would have been exactly the same as them no no different and jesus here he is on the road going to jerusalem knowing what's going to happen and he's got to put up with this squabbling bunch of disciples yet still as he's approaching his death they're still just squabbling so the two sons they received the answers that they got from jesus but the two that were those that were calling out along the way. Sure. He stopped and granted their request. It was given to them. They knew what they were asking for. Mm-hmm. They understood and they believed. And it was granted. He took compassion and pity and it was granted. Yes. And now we're going to bounce a little forward over to Acts and I'll be picking up in Acts chapter 27 verses 27 to 44. And if you remember last week, we were in the middle of a violent storm. I mean, we had wind and hurricanes and I mean, it was crazy, crazy weather. And you got these guys on this boat that are like, what is going on? Are we even going to survive? The boat's falling apart. They're pitching over stuff. I mean, literally had no idea. Are we even going to be able to get to where we're going alive? I'm beginning to realize that nothing in Paul's life seems to go really simple or smoothly. There's always a little bit of extra or a whole lot of extra. Yes. Yep. So here we are, Acts chapter 27. On the 14th night, adrift somewhere in the Adriatic Sea at about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. 
sounding, they measured a depth of about 120 feet. And shortly after that, 90 feet. Afraid that we were about to run aground, they threw out four anchors and prayed for daylight. Some of the sailors tried to jump ship. They let down the lifeboat, pretending that they were going to set out more anchors from the bow. (laughs) Paul saw through their guys and told the centurion and his soldiers, if these sailors don't stay with the ship, we are all going down. So the soldiers cut the lines to the lifeboat and let it drift off. I mean, you just, that's called faith right there. (laughs) <laughs> that wow, is you're one way off You're that one ship. way off. With dawn about to break, Paul called everyone together and proposed breakfast. This is the 14th day that we've gone without food. None of us has felt like eating, but I urge you to eat something now. You will need the strength for the rescue ahead. You're going to come out of this without even a scratch. He broke the bread, gave thanks to God, passed it around, and they all ate heartily. 276 of us, all told. With the meal finished and everyone full, the ship was further lightened by dumping the grain overboard. At daybreak, no one recognized the land. But then they did notice a bay with a nice beach. They decided to try to run the ship up on the beach. They cut the anchors, loosed the tiller, raised the sail, and then ran before the wind toward the beach. But we didn't make it. Still far from shore, we hit a reef and the ship began to break up. The soldiers decided to kill the prisoners so that no one could escape by swimming. But the centurion, determined to save Paul, stopped them. He gave orders for anyone who could swim to dive in and go for it, and for the rest to grab a plank. Everyone made it to shore safely. And that is how miracles and faith, that is faith in action right there. Wow. Wow. (laughs) You know, the one thing that surprised me about this, I've always thought that this boat was, I don't know, 15, 20, 30, 40 people, maybe. I had I no idea there was the 276. No idea there was that many people on it. That's a big ship. Oh, I I, I literally had. That is a big that. ship. Didn't so, know. yeah, interesting. Uh, and the fact that Paul was visited by the angel and got the, got the word that you're going to be okay. And he believed that to the point that he's saying, listen, we need to eat now, and then we're going to throw our food over. Oh, and that lifeboat over there? Yeah, go ahead and cut that loose, too. We don't need all that extra stuff. And notice that it was the prisoner that was telling everybody all these things that should be done. Right. And they were listening to him. I mean, Paul is just like, well, somebody's got to take control here. And since I'm the one that, you know, the angel said everything's going to be fine. Well, then uh, this is what we're going to do. Absolutely. And now for everybody's favorite part, we are rewinding back to the Old Testament. And Heidi is going to be reading Psalm chapter 45. Yes, I am. This one is called A Wedding Song of the Sons of Korah. 
My heart bursts its banks, spilling beauty and goodness. I pour it out in a poem to the king, shaping the river into words. You're the handsomest of men. Every word from your lips is sheer grace. And God has blessed you, blessed you so much. Strap your sword to your side, warrior. Accept praise, accept due honor. Ride majestically, ride triumphantly. Ride on the side of truth. Ride for the righteous meek. Your instructions are glow in the dark. You shoot sharp arrows into enemies' hearts. The king's foes lie down in the dust, beaten. Your throne is God's throne, ever and always. The scepter of your royal rule measures right living. You love the right and hate the wrong. And that is why God, your very own God, poured fragrant oil on your head, marking you out as king from among your dear companions. Your forest-drenched garments are fragrant with mountain breeze. Chamber music from the throne room makes you want to dance. King's daughters are maids in your court, the bride glittering with golden jewelry. Now listen, daughter, don't miss a word. Forget your country. Put your home behind you. Be here. The king is wild for you. Since he's your lord, adore him. Wedding gifts pour in from Tyre. Rich guests shower you with presents. Her wedding dress is dazzling, lined with gold by the weavers. All her dresses and robes are woven with gold. She is led to the king, followed by her virgin companions, a procession of joy and laughter, a grand entrance to the king's palace. Set your mind now on sons. Don't dote on father and grandfather. You'll set your sons up as princes all over the earth. I'll make you famous for generations. You'll be the talk of the town for a long, long time. That's an interesting psalm. It is. I, I'm I'm trying to gather my thoughts about it and, you know, I'm trying to come up with something profound and, and witty to say, but it just, it feels like just a beautiful celebration and joy. I think so much of what we've been reading, written by David, has been so heavy and so solemn, but this one isn't. This is absolute and complete and utter joy. And I'm wondering if this is him talking about his wedding to his beloved bride. It was just, it's a joyful, beautiful celebration. It truly is. Weddings are generally fairly, fairly joyful. I remember when we got married, we got married at the finish line of the riverbank run. I mean, mm -hmm. go figure, right? That's where we met. So we figured that was a great place to get married. But it was joyful. And oh, for sure. So memorable just with all the people that were there. And we both right. were just relishing in that moment. And look at us. We still talk about it with the same joy and the same smile. And perhaps that's exactly what this is. You remember that day? Remember that wedding day? Remember what it was like? Remember what she looked like? Remember what he looked like? Mm. You know, it's, it's, remember that. I love you more today than I did then. And I loved you a whole bunch then. 
<laughs> I love you too. <laughs> All right, friends. Now we're getting ready to head back to Leviticus. And we are going to see what God has to say in chapters 21, 22, and 23. I have been eagerly waiting to get me some more Leviticus. As much as we joke, though, about mm -hmm. Leviticus, it is cool to see, like, God truly cared that his people knew, I want you to look different. Yes. And so much of it was for the benefit of them i mean Absolutely. it was for they, health reasons mm -hmm. hygiene reasons it was all things to keep them healthy and safe but it set them apart and it made it look like just a beautiful beautiful culture and truly i've learned a lot more from leviticus than i ever thought that i was going to i have a much better understanding for it and i'm glad to be reading through it and i see how Leviticus truly is about love. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. God loved his people so hmm. much. He gave them all the information they could possibly need or want. Down to don't mix your fabrics. Don't mix this. Don't mix that. <laughs> but Things that we shrug off today. But back then it was uh, the way that they were being set apart. Right. And yeah. a lot of these things meant something because they symbolized the coming Christ. Right. So here we are in chapter 21. This one is titled Holy Priests. God spoke to Moses. Speak to the priests, the son of Aaron. Tell them a priest must not ritually contaminate himself by touching the dead, except for close relatives, mother, father, son, daughter, brother, or an unmarried sister who is dependent on him since she has no husband. For these, he may make himself ritually unclean, but he must not contaminate himself with the dead who are only related to him by marriage and thus profane himself. Priests must not shave their heads or trim their beards or gash their bodies. They must be holy to their God and must not profane the name of their God because their job is to present the gifts of God, the food of their God. They are to be holy. Because a priest is holy to his God, he must not marry a woman who has been a harlot or a cult prostitute or a divorced woman. Make sure he is holy because he serves the food of your God. Treat him as holy because I, God, who make you holy, am holy. If a priest's daughter defiles herself in prostitution, she disgraces her father. She must be burned at the stake. The high priest, the one among his brothers who has received the anointing oil poured on his head and been ordained to wear the priestly vestments, must not let his hair go wild and tangled, nor wear ragged and torn clothes. He must not enter a room where there is a dead body. He must not ritually contaminate himself even for his father or mother. And he must neither abandon nor desecrate the sanctuary of his God because of the dedication of the anointing oil which is upon him. I am God. He is to marry a young virgin, not a widow, not a divorcee, not a cult prostitute. He is only to marry a virgin from his own people. 
He must not defile his descendants among his people, because I am God who makes him holy. God spoke to Moses, Tell Aaron, none of your descendants in any generation to come who has a defect of any kind may present as an offering the food of his God. That means anyone who is blind or lame, disfigured or deformed, crippled in foot or hand, hunchbacked or dwarfed, who has anything wrong with his eyes, who has running sores or damaged testicles, no descendant of Aaron the priest who has any defect is to offer gifts to God. He has a defect and so must not offer the food of his God. He may eat the food of his God, both the most holy and the holy, but because of his defect, he must not go near the curtain or approach the altar. It would desecrate my sanctuary. I am God who makes them holy. Moses delivered this message to Aaron, his sons, and to all the people of Israel. There's a quick pause here that says, What surprises you about God's rules about Israel's ordained priests? Why do you think would God prohibit people with a defect of any kind from making offerings? I was actually thinking about that as you were reading. And so I believe that this is talking about the line of Aaron and they were the priests. Their job was to be the intermediary between God and the people. And they were handling the sacrifice and in the most holy of holy places, all of this symbolizes the coming of Christ and perfection was required to cover sin. It doesn't sound fair to say, well, because you were born with this defect or that one or whatever it may be. Sure. I And I, I understand that. I sometimes mm-hmm. struggle with that also, but it wasn't seen that way. They weren't like people didn't walk around just saying, oh, you worthless, whatever, this and that. They understood the necessity of things looking perfect or as much as humanly possible. Right. Things needed to be perfect and orderly because of what it represented. The fact that the people sinned meant it required a perfect sacrifice to cover that sin. And so the way that I'm understanding it is that meant those stepping in and filling that position also had to be without what we call defect. And I know sometimes that's hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow. It was hard to say. Especially if you, like we're, we try to be very inclusive uh, in everything that we do, whether it's running or, um, you know, ministering to people, yes. we just really try to meet people where they're at. And we believe God does that too. He absolutely does. He loves them as much as he loves everybody equally. There is no lesser or higher. This is symbolic only. It's not a matter of their worth. Yeah. And here we pick up in Leviticus 22. God spoke to Moses. Tell Aaron and his sons to treat the holy offering that the Israelites consecrate to me with reverence so that they don't desecrate my holy name. I am God. 
Tell them, from now on, if any of your descendants approaches in a state of ritual uncleanness the holy offerings that the Israelites consecrate to God, he will be cut off from my presence. I am God. Each and every one of Aaron's descendants who has an infectious skin disease or a discharge may not eat any of the holy offerings until he is clean. Also, if he touches anything that's defiled by a corpse or has an omission of semen or is contaminated by touching a crawling creature or touches a person who is contaminated for whatever reason, a person who touches any such thing will be ritually unclean until evening and may not eat of the holy offerings unless he has washed well with water. After the sun goes down, he is clean and may go ahead and eat the holy offerings. They are his food. But he must not contaminate himself by eating anything found dead or torn by wild animals. I am God. The priest must observe my instructions lest they become guilty and die by treating the offerings with irreverence. I am God who makes them holy. No lay person may eat anything set apart as holy, nor may a priest's guess or his hired hand eat anything holy. But if a priest buys a slave, the slave may eat of it. Also, the slaves born in his house may eat his food. If a priest's daughter marries a lay person, she may no longer eat from the holy contributions. But if the priest's daughter is widowed or divorced, and without children, and returns to her father's household as before, she may eat of her father's food, but no layperson may eat of it. If anyone eats from a holy offering accidentally, he must give back the holy offering to the priest and add 20% to it. The priest must not treat with irreverence the holy offerings of the Israelites that they contribute to God, lest they desecrate themselves and make themselves guilty when they eat the holy offerings. I am God who makes them holy. God spoke to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel, each and every one of you, whether native-born or foreigner, who presents a whole burnt offering to God to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering, must make sure that it is a male without defect from cattle sheep or goats, for it is to be acceptable. Don't try slipping in some creature that has a defect. It won't be accepted. Whenever anyone brings an offering from cattle or sheep as a peace offering to God to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering, it has to be perfect, without defect to even be acceptable. Don't try giving God an animal that is blind crippled, mutilated, an animal with running sores, a rash or mange. Don't place any of these on the altar as a gift to God. You may, though, offer an ox or a sheep that is deformed or stunted as a free will offering, but it is not acceptable in fulfilling a vow. Don't offer to God an animal with bruised, crushed, torn, or cut-off testicles. Don't do this in your own land, but don't accept them from foreigners and present them as food for your God either. 
Because of deformities and defects, they will not be acceptable. God spoke to Moses. When a calf or lamb or a goat is born, it is to stay with its mother for seven days. After the eighth day, it is acceptable as an offering, a gift to God. Don't slaughter both a cow or you and its young on the same day. When you sacrifice a thanksgiving offering to God, do it right so it will be acceptable. Eat it on the same day. Don't leave any leftovers until morning. I am God. Do what I tell you. Live what I tell you. I am God. Don't desecrate my holy name. I insist on being treated with holy reverence among the people of Israel. I am God who makes you holy and brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am God. So that was the end of chapter 22. Now picking up in 23 and we're talking about feasts. That's right. I love to eat. I love a good feast. Oh man, I love a good feast too. How about you? When was the last time you had a big feast? Mm. Mm, I would love to hear about it in the comments. Drop something down like, seriously, what did you have to eat? Oh, yeah, let's talk food. Oh, yeah, we love talking food. God spoke to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed feasts of God, which you are to decree as sacred assemblies. Work six days. The seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of total and complete rest a sacred assembly. Don't do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to God. These are the appointed feasts of God, the sacred assemblies which you are to announce at the time set for them. God's Passover beginning at sundown on the 14th day of the first month. God's Feast of Unraised Bread on the 15th day of this same month. You are to eat unraised bread for seven days. Hold a sacred assembly on the first day. Don't do any regular work. Offer fire gifts to God for seven days. On the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly. Don't do any regular work. God spoke to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, when you arrive at the land that I am giving you and reap its harvest, Bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain that you harvest. He will wave the sheaf before God for acceptance on your behalf. On the morning after the Sabbath, the priest will wave it. On the same day that you wave the sheaf, offer a year-old male lamb without defect for a whole burnt offering to God, and with it the grain offering of four quarts of fine flour mixed with oil a fire gift to God, a pleasing fragrance, and also a drink offering of a quart of wine. Don't eat any bread or roasted or fresh grain until you have presented this offering to your God. This is a perpetual decree for all your generations to come, wherever you live. Count seven full weeks from the morning after the Sabbath when you brought the sheaf as a wave offering, fifty days until the morning of the seventh Sabbath, and then present a new grain offering to God. Bring from wherever you are living two loaves of bread made from four quarts of fine flour 
and then baked with yeast as a wave offering of the first ripe grain to God. In addition to the bread, offer seven yearling male lambs without defect, plus one bull and two rams. They will be a whole burnt offering to God together with their grain offerings and drink offerings, offered as fire gifts, a pleasing fragrance to God. Offer one male goat for an absolution offering and two yearling lambs for a peace offering. The priest will wave the two lambs before God as a wave offering, together with the bread of the first ripe grain. They are sacred offerings to God for the priest. Proclaim the day as a sacred assembly. Don't do any ordinary work. It is a perpetual decree wherever you live down through your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap the corners of your field or gather the gleanings. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners. I am God, your God. God said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel on the first day of the seventh month, set aside a day of rest, a sacred assembly. Mark it with loud blasts on the ram's horn. Don't do any ordinary work. Offer a fire gift to God. God said to Moses, The tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly, fast, and offer a fire gift to God. Don't work on that day because it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before your God. Anyone who doesn't fast on that day must be cut off from his people. I will destroy from among his people anyone who works on that day. Don't do any work that day. None. This is a perpetual decree for all the generations to come, wherever you happen to be living. It is a Sabbath of complete and total rest, a fast day. Observe your Sabbath from the evening on the ninth day of the month until the following evening. God said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel, God's Feast of Booths, begins on the fifteenth day of the seventh month. It lasts seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Don't do any ordinary work. Offer fire gifts to God for seven days. On the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and offer a gift to God. It is a solemn convocation. Don't do any ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts of God which you will decree as sacred assemblies for presenting fire gifts to God, the whole burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifices, and drink offerings assigned to each day. These are in addition to offerings for God's Sabbaths, and also in addition to other gifts connected with whatever you have vowed, and all of the free will offerings that you give to God. So, Summing up, on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, after you have brought your crops in from the fields, celebrate the feast of God for seven days. The first day is a complete rest, and the eighth day is a complete rest. On the first day, pick the best fruit from the best trees. Take fawns of palm trees and branches of leafy trees from the willows by the brook and celebrate in the presence of your God for seven days. Yes, for seven full days celebrated as a festival to God. 
every year from now on celebrated on the seventh month. Live in booths for seven days. Every son and daughter of Israel is to move into booths so that your descendants will know that I made the people of Israel live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am God, your God. Moses posted the calendar for the annual appointed feast of God, which Israel was to celebrate. And that, my friends, is the end of our reading in Leviticus. But I do have a quick pause here from Eugene Peterson, and it's about chapter 23 here in Leviticus, verse 3. And this is titled, There is More to Work Than Work. Mm. We can't understand either the character or the significance of the Sabbath apart from work and the workplace. Work doesn't take us away from God. It continues the work of God through us. Sabbath and work aren't in opposition. They are integrated parts of an organic whole. Either apart from the other is crippled. Sabbath is the final day in a series of work days, each of which God has declared good. But the distinctive Sabbath character is conveyed by four verbs. God had finished his work. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day, and he made it a holy day, or hallowed. These four verbs take us beyond the workplace itself. There is more to work than work. There is God. God completing, God resting, God blessing, and God sanctifying. The majority of us spend much of our time in the workplace. When we work, it must be congruent with the way that God works. If there is no Sabbath in our lives, we soon become absorbed in our own work as an end in itself, and God's work is either forgotten or marginalized. Oh. Mm. <laughs> oh. Another from good the, one by Eugene. Yeah. From <laughs> the beginning of time, God has always placed an emphasis on rest. There is such a profound and specific reason for it. And I find it so incredibly sad that so many Christians find more, quote unquote, honor and good Christian work ethic in working yourself into the ground. Mm. God never intended for it to be that way. I love that he insisted on no work. He insisted on these celebrations. This wasn't a solemn, oh man, I'm really dreading that week of, are you kidding? What a beautiful, exciting, happy, joyful time. And that's what our days away from work should be. We should celebrate them, enjoy them, relish them, that be thankful to God for them. Having a day set aside to refresh yourself, to 
spend time with the God who gave this to you should be a joyful day. You're not being lazy. You're not being slothful. Mm. You're not being any of those things. You are refreshing your mind, your body, and your soul. I, I get so frustrated when rest and downtime is seen as a negative. It isn't. And God so plainly lays this out. Oh, I agree. And it's, uh, I agree totally. It's, there's times where I think people view the rest as laziness. Yes, it isn't. It is not something. It's not just a suggestion here. Sure. God didn't put this as a suggestion. He demanded it. Absolutely demanded it. And even God showed us exactly how to do that in his creation because Mm -hmm. that rest is restoring, right? For us, I'm sure for him too. Um, And it's it's the best example that we have of how this should be done. It's the perfect example. Is there really anything more important than a day of gratitude and joy and thankfulness to God Mm. for that day? And what a celebration some of this must have been. And I I love that God said, listen, here's my calendar. This is when I want. I mean, for his people, it's like, man, we got something to look forward to. We have these. I'm sure these celebrations were amazing. I mean, I have no idea how many people were in this camp right now, but Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it was hundreds of thousands. And everybody all celebrating and joyful and I'm sure this was a week that everyone looked forward to. Absolutely. And friends, just like that, we are done with our journey through the message today. What did you get out of today? Was there a verse, maybe one of these chapters that we read? Was there something that stood out to you? Was God speaking to you in some certain little way? Maybe softly? Maybe not so softly. (laughs) God has ways of doing both. He does. And listen, uh, I've learned that, uh, you know, man, when you've got a hard head, sometimes uh, God needs to yell at you a little bit. So hmm. I'll tell you what it stood out to me. Sure. And it was in this Psalm 45 that seemed to be a bit of an anomaly. Okay. We're bouncing back to Psalms. Okay. So a lot of what we read is you know it's like analogies and it's talking about the relationship of god and his people and that's often what weddings are sure this struck me when i saw it in that aspect now listen daughter don't miss a word forget your country put your home behind you and then this be here Mm. now think of this as your relationship with God. For sure. The king is wild for you. God is wild for you. That just gave me chills when I read that. And um, I'm going to say thank you, God, hmm. for that. Be here. Those two little words. What verse is that in chapter 45? This is chapter 45, verses 10 through 12. So get your country, 
put your home behind you and be here. I love that. king is wild about you. Those two words, be here. I know we live in a fast-paced society. There's always something happening. That If you turn on the news, it seems like it just comes at you fast. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get distracted. There's We have messages on our phone. We got Facebook Messenger. We got all this other stuff yeah. and that's competing for our attention. And God is saying, be here. Be present. Yes. Be Jesus to the people that are in front of you be there. So I encourage you today. How are you being here? What are you doing to make sure that you're present and that you are being there? What are you doing to forget your home, to walk away from, forget your country, you know, put your home behind you, put the stuff in your life behind you, Mm -hmm. you know, Yes. And be here. So I encourage you today uh, just to think about ways that you can be more present, be more interactive with people that God places in your life because they're there for a reason. Sometimes they're there to sharpen you and sometimes you're there to sharpen them. That's right. And we don't know the reason all the time and we don't have to. And sometimes it's just waking up doing it and and saying yes to god saying i i don't know what's going to happen here when i go through this door just give me the wisdom and courage to go through it right and meet me on the other side and he always does always does friends this has been another great episode we love you if you have any prayer requests drop them down in the comments life gets tough sometimes you know, we've had some really deep conversations with some people over this last week. Yeah. And uh, life gets tough sometimes. And you know what? We get it. We're not saying we have it all figured out, but we are saying we care. And if you need somebody to pray for you, pray with you, whatever it may be, reach out to us. We're not hard to find. Drop it down mm-hmm. in the comments. Join the Facebook group that we have. We would love to interact with you and just do this journey along with you and do this journey through the message. Yes. I like how you wrap that up there. (laughs) Wrapping it up. (laughs) (laughs) So friends, enjoy the rest of your day, the rest of your night, whatever time or wherever you may be, enjoy it and live joyfully. Can't wait to have you join us next time. See you next time.